Welcome to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers. The Saints are gearing up for their matchup against the Eagles, and it's going to be an interesting game. Last year, the Eagles took a 24-21 win in quarterback Jalen Hurts' first start. He ran for 106 yards and threw for 167 and a touchdown. Overall, the Eagles rushed for 246. This year, over the last three games, the Eagles have gotten back to their run game, averaging over 175 yards in each of those. The Saints' defense, however, is number one against the run, allowing less than 73 yards per contest. Hopefully for us, the Saints get the upper hand in this one because it does not get easier. Next week, the Bills are here on Thanksgiving, and then we have the Cowboys. But let's focus on this weekend. Joining me on today's podcast is Adam Amin. He is on the call for the Saints-Eagles game for Fox. That starts at 12 o'clock. Adam, thank you so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast today. Looking forward to hearing your call this Sunday at Philadelphia. I think it'll be fun. It's uh, it's a matchup that we've seen a couple times. Obviously, it's some big games, playoff games and that uh, and, and things of that nature. The the Jalen Hurts game last year against Taysom Hill. It's uh, it'll be a fun rematch. You mentioned it. That game was not what was expected for the Saints fans. Obviously, on a nine game win streak at that point in the season, Jalen Hurts gets his first career start. And it does not go well for the Saints, especially defensively. They ran all over them, which is not something historically that the Saints allow anyone to do. Doing some research, heading into this game, kind of looking into that matchup, what have you seen and what are people saying about it? I'll be curious to see how big the run game is in this, just because Philadelphia has kind of changed up its offense over the course of the last probably three or four games. Uh, we saw them very early in the year. We saw, saw both teams actually very early in the year. We saw the Eagles week two and the Saints week three. So they're much different looking. Obviously, the quarterback position for New Orleans is alone, you know, changes the, the entire look of this team. But Philadelphia was passing the ball very heavily over the course of probably the first six weeks of the season. Uh, probably two out of every three plays were a pass play. And now it's two out of every three plays are a run play. So they've done some different things over the course of the last few games to try to establish the run. Jalen Hurts has had a lot of pressure taken off of him because he doesn't have to do as much in terms of the passing game. He can focus on the things that made him so impressive in his days in Alabama and Oklahoma. And I think I'll be curious to see how that plays out because and I know the, the Titans played well uh, last week. Obviously, they were able to run the ball. But I still feel like there are plays when I see David Onyemata in the middle and he's just able to overtake uh, an offensive lineman, just sheer strength, brute force. And he's able to get you know, a tackle for loss out of it and plug up the defensive line. That's what makes this New Orleans Saints run defense so effective. That's why they've been so good. They have run stoppers in the middle and great attackers on the edges. And I feel like that just wasn't on display last year for whatever reason. Maybe the change up at the last moment, maybe seeing Hurts for the first time where there wasn't a ton of offensive snaps at that point under his belt. So maybe that was the biggest reason why they were a little bit. T- and it was a close game, too. So it's not as if they were out of reach. Uh, I'll be yeah. fascinated to see how that plays out this time around. Yeah, 24-21 loss. So it wasn't horrendous, but it definitely didn't feel good for the Saints fans. You mentioned David Onyemata. He's somebody that's been back in the lineup now. We've had a lot of injuries and a lot of people in and out. Alvin Kamara, somebody that has been back on the practice field this week, hopefully get him back in the lineup. How much does a running back like that change a game for somebody? I think in the NFL, it feels like it's like a 12 possession game. Like more often than not, you're going to get like 12 possessions in an NFL game. You get six aside. And if you can limit an opposing team's possessions down to by two, even 
whether you do that, <clears throat> whether you do that through ball control or you do that through establishing takeaways or, you know, just winning the field position battle. Like these are little things that kind of don't come to the forefront. They're big things, but they're not the things that come to your mind right out of the gate. Uh, when you're thinking of how to win a football game, you're thinking of bigger pass plays, you're thinking of explosive plays, you're thinking of, uh, of what you can do in terms of the, the pass rush game. But I think these things are really important for a team like the Saints who are looking to possess the football, especially with the way the offense has changed the last few weeks with the quarterback change. You want to make sure Trevor Simeon is in good spots to succeed. You don't want to put him onto the field to throw the ball 35, 40 times if you can help it, you'd or, or at least not attack downfield as often. You know, I know the Saints love the extension of the run game with the pat, short pass game with Kamara. And if you can have that established, A, it forces the, the Eagles to do some different things. They have, they, they've been able to find success on defense without blitzing a lot. So they have good linebackers that want to get to the edges. Kamara is one of the few guys in this league that makes multiple linebackers miss. He's just very good in the open field. You guys have seen it for years now. So you understand what it's like when he's on the perimeter and you have to run out into space and tackle him. When you don't have that threat, I think that affects a lot of teams. Look what's happened to the Panthers at times when Christian McCaffrey has been on the shelf. They don't have that edge perimeter offensive game in the short and intermediate game. And when you have those five, six, eight, nine yard plays, eventually sometimes they bust out for 20 yards, sometimes 30, 40 yards. And that's what Camaro brings to the table. And, and it's, I know it seems like an obvious thing to Saints fans, but I think around the league, you see how impactful it is to not have a guy like that. But I think the Saints have been kind of spoiled the last few years of having somebody that explosive and that electric at that position who can do so many different things. Yeah, Drew Brees is going to be on hand for our game against the Bills next week on, on Thanksgiving Day. And a lot of people on Twitter are like, well, can he play for us? Can he just come back? Can we please just have him? And it's like, listen, let's not get greedy. He was great for us for a really long time. And we're in this transition sure. period. And it's kind of what we have to deal with. Unfortunate injury to Jameis Winston. Trevor Simeon has come in and he's done really well. He's managed the game well. He has not had any interceptions, which is great. And maybe sacked a few too many times, but he's doing a good job. What have you seen from his ability to just kind of slide in as a starter? I think we saw this in Denver uh, when, when he had his first run as a, as a starter. Remember, he was replacing a, a pretty significant figure in Peyton Manning as well mm -hmm. after they had won a Super Bowl. So I, I know Jameis and, and Taysom were both kind of in the position to have to replace Drew Brees. And I know it's not it's the same thing with, with Trevor, but it, it, it does speak to his ability to slide into an offense and understand what is necessary. He's not going to blow you away. We, no one has ever asked Trevor Simeon to blow a defense away. Nobody's asked him to throw for 400 yards every game. So he, his job is to manage the game. You, you made the, the best point possible, Aaron. They have not turned the ball. He has not turned the ball over since he's been in there. That is the biggest key. We see what happens when Tom Brady turns the ball over. Again, the, the, the Saints had issues, or uh, the Saints have, have done a good job of creating issues for Brady and they've won games because of that. I, I just saw Brady in Tampa Bay against Washington. Turnovers hurt him in that game, too. They had two early interceptions. And I feel like when we go back to speaking about possessions in this league, this is a possession-based game. And, and at the very least, Trevor Simeon's not hurting you in possessions. The sack thing, yeah, that's, that's an issue, and that's always been an issue uh, for, for Simeon because he played behind some tough offensive lines in Denver as well. But, again, Ramchek hurt. Teron Armstead hurt. Anders Pete's not there right now. So, you know, this is a lot to deal with for, for the Saints team. They just got Eric McCoy back. You're thinking, okay, their, their offensive line is finally solidified in at least four of the five spots, and now all of a sudden you're dealing with injuries to multiple pro bowlers. So uh, I, I think there's a lot there that Simeon has to deal with, but the fact that he has been able to play fairly clean football, keep the, again, these last two losses have been close. Again, two very close losses. 
you know, a couple of plays here and there. I think I've heard Sean Payton say that twice in two weeks. Like it comes down to a couple of plays and you don't want to have to worry about a couple of big plays. And Simeon so far has not hurt the Saints in that regard. They definitely have been able to come back late in games. Maybe it's a little slow start, but they've definitely put it together when they've needed it. Just a little bit short there. That all being said, how important has it been the way that the defense has played? Well, the run stopping ability of this defense is essential, you know, and, and again, you, you went up against a, a Tennessee team that knows how to run the football and, and again, establishing the run game and, and trying to control the football and limit your possessions. That's a key. So to be able to get three and outs, to be able to put teams behind the chains, I think that's probably what new Orleans does about as well as anybody. When you're a good run defense, you're forcing teams into second and long situations, third and long situations. And the reason that's so important is because it's just harder to get three more yards against NFL defenses today where they're very good in front of the sticks. NFL teams give up a lot more explosive plays than they ever have, but they're much, much better in the intermediate defensive game than they ever have been. So I think being able to put teams into second and long, third and long consistently, which is what a good run defense does, and that's what the Saints are able to do, that's going to put Philadelphia into a rough spot. So if we're talking about the matchup this week, Philadelphia has been really good, I think, in the last probably two or three games in that intermediate pass game, right? So the, the, the layer between the linebacker, uh, the linebackers in the secondary, that area, Jalen Hurts has actually done a very good job in this offense. The way Philadelphia's offense has changed, they've taken a lot off of his plate. They, they've given him some half-field reads. And the intermediate passing game is a big key now because they're not passing the football as much, and they're not trying to blow you blow the top off the defense. They want to just get these 8- to 15-yard gains. Jalen Rager is important to that, what they do in the intermediate game. So you're going to see a lot more 6- or 7-yard completions, and I think what the Saints do well, because they're in second and long, third and long, their defenders rally to the ball. Their secondary obviously tackles really well. It hurts not having C.J. Gardner-Johnson. has been really, really good from that slot corner position, but – I think that's what makes this Saints run defense effective and how it's a domino on the rest of, the, uh, of this defense. It's the, it's the front being able to provide cushion for both the linebackers and the secondary, and they do that as well, about as well as anybody in the league right now. And they definitely do that well in the red zone too. They held the Titans to two and five last game, so they're definitely good in that area. I know there's some big explosive plays that they've allowed, which – you know, nobody ever wants to see that because that's the big fun play that you see the other team getting and then right. you get upset as a fan. But when it matters, they are really shutting people down in the red zone. So that's been good to see. You said that you had the Saints earlier this year and your time covering the NFL this season. Any teams or anybody that's really stood out to you? It, you know, what's what's been interesting the last few weeks in particular is how up and down the good teams are. Like, you want to get a gauge on a team. Like, we saw the Ravens a couple of weeks ago, and they scored 34 points, a lot of them in the second half or, you know, from the late second quarter on. And you saw how explosive of an offense they can be. So, you go, well, you see them against a really good defense, and you're like, well, all right, this is now going to repeat itself, right? And that's what's so great about the NFL because – now you face a Miami team with bad weather on a, short, on a short week, and the Ravens couldn't get anything going offensively to the fourth quarter. So it's hard to peg a team right now and say they're consistently good. Every single week I will expect X, Y, and Z. We saw Tampa Bay last week. We thought they would bounce back because Brady's been really good in that regard in his career, and he threw two picks in the first, and they lost another game, and Washington had one of the bigger upsets of the year. Jacksonville comes out and, and shuts Buffalo's offense down a couple of weeks ago to the tune of six points like this stuff happens week to week in the league. And it's so nuts because you think you have a team ready. You know, I'm covering the NBA right now and you're 
the, the, it's a longer sample size, obviously 80 games compared to 16, 17 games. So, you know, five to one essentially, but like you get a better sense of what a team is through 10 games in the NBA than you do in the NFL, because it's so up and down every week. It's so matchup oriented. So it's hard to peg a team right now and say, that's it. Now watching games. Yeah. Arizona is great. Green Bay is really good. Kansas city is starting to play a little bit better. Dallas has been really impressive. You know, and obviously these are teams at new Orleans who's, in the playoff hunt right now, they would be the, the number six seed if the playoffs started today. These are teams that they'd probably run into. So, you know, if you're looking at how the Saints are stacking up right now, they're not there yet. But because this league is such a week-to-week league and, and it's so hard to find consistency, that's why, you know, what you talked about, Aaron, earlier, you know, this is, this is surprising to see the Saints lose two in a row. They, they haven't lost three in a row in a long, long time. So, you know, it's hard to find consistency in this league. That's why it's been so impressive to see the Saints do what they've done but it's hard to peg a team in that regard right now too, even though we're already 10, 11 weeks in. How important is it then because of how close the Eagles and the Saints are as far as their records go and getting this win this week? I mean, it's a wild card, you know, play game, right? You're, you're playing for a wild card right now. This is, this is a swing game in that individual race. The same way when you guys play the Panthers or the, or the Falcons or, or the Bucks, you're like, this is obviously a very important game. We're going to play this team twice. It's a divisional game and it's going to help us in the standings. Now you're essentially playing the wild card standings right now. Not to say that you're out of the division. That's not what we're saying at all. But right now, it's a wild card team. And you're battling with teams like Minnesota, who's still trying to stay afloat at this point. You're going to be battling with teams out of the NFC West. You're going to be battling with teams in the East right now. You know, like Washington's playing better. So there's still a long way to go. And I'm not sure where this team is stacking up just yet. But it's a huge game for both of these teams. Because Philadelphia is on the outside looking in, and this is going to play a role. If two teams come down from the seventh seed and it's New Orleans and Philadelphia, which often ends up being the case with teams that play each other in week 10, week 6, week 13, you know, you, you don't look at those games in the grand scope because you're focused on the divisional games or, oh, we're going to play the defending Super Bowl champs or whatever. But it's, I mean, these are the games that kind of swing your season, especially if you're right around 500. And I think that's, that's an impactful game that these two teams are going to play this week. There's been a lot of talk about Coach Payton possibly as coach of the year because of everything that he's been through this year. I don't know how much that's going to stick as the season goes on, considering sure. the way that the record could go. But from him as a coach and in covering him and the team, what do you like about what he brings? Well, for us, like just on the TV side of things specifically, he's very candid. Like he's not mm-hmm. going to lie to you. He's not going to, and not to say that coaches always do that. I'm not trying to indicate that, but but you do get the yeah. sense that, that that some coaches are a little bit more guarded, a little bit more close to the best. I think Sean's candor, uh, his candidness has always been appreciated by people. And I, I think because when, like when you hear a coach be honest or what you feel like is him being honest, you get the sense that they have a good pulse for their team. And I've never had the sense that Sean Payton doesn't have a good pulse for his team. And this goes back to, to covering him when I was doing radio games. And now obviously the last couple of years on Fox and we, we, I mean, we did a lot of saints games last year. I think we did three of them. We've done, you know, done one this year. This will be our, like our fifth saints game in the last two seasons. And every time we've talked to Sean, it's always been very candid. It's been very honest. You really get a sense for what they're dialing in on that week. I remember after that uh, week two loss against Carolina, we had the game in, in uh, new England. And we remember saying, like, this is going to be a bounce back performance. Like, th- this is a team that, like, I, I, I feel it. I know we're going to play better, whatever happened last week. And everything he kind of said essentially came 
to fruition. Like they ex- executed a really good game plan on the road. All the things that Jameis Winston at that point had told us about everything that Demario Davis had talked to us about that week, like it came to fruition, or at least you could see that they were trying to execute those things. So his candor, his honesty, I, I think really indicates the pulse for his team. And I've always appreciated that about Sean. Yeah, it's been the little things, the little mistakes that they need to clean up. They've kind of said that a couple times the past few weeks. So hopefully this is sure. the week that that it happens and they're able to do that. You mentioned you're covering the NBA right now. What is your typical schedule like at this point of the year? <laughs> uh, I'm talking to you in a hotel room in Portland, Oregon right now. Uh, and we are taking a flight in about an hour and a half to Denver. Uh, we have a game on Friday against the Nuggets. So I, I work for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, and it's weird to say we now because yeah. I'm talking about the travel party, obviously, but this is my second year doing this, this job for a local team. It's my hometown team. Um, I'm originally from Chicago. So uh, it's weird to say we, but uh, you know, we're, we're traveling to Denver. We'll do the game Friday night. We'll, we'll travel back to Chicago overnight. I'll get back at about two o'clock, three, you know, three o'clock in the morning to my apartment. And we're scheduled to talk with Sean and company uh, right around 8 a.m. Central time. So I'll be up uh, bright and early and, uh, and and talking to Sean and listening to his insight. And, uh, and then we'll get on a flight at about one in the afternoon, uh, land in Philadelphia. Uh, we'll, we'll go to meetings uh, for our crew. We'll have a production meeting on Saturday night, as, as I'm sure you've heard plenty of, plenty of crews talk to, uh, talk to you about. And then on, uh, on Sunday, we do the game and, and then head home. And then Monday night, the Bulls play the Pacers in Chicago. So we're right back at it. So it's, it's kind of a crazy time. It's, a, it's, it's fun. It's a challenge. In its own right, you know, is it a thing to complain about? Not really. It's got its own little, you know, nuances and quirks to it. But overall, if I, if I, you know, said I'd be, I, I was sad about it or upset about it. There's, there's nothing to be upset or sad about. It's, uh, it's really fun and it's really, it, it keeps you going. You know, the, the energy level and, and the adrenaline level are fun to kind of uh, live in for a few hours every single night or every other night, and then, uh, and then you try to get back, uh, back to a normal routine, a normal schedule for your body and your mind and all that stuff. Yeah, this is the first year that I'm working for the Saints. I'm covering both the Saints and the Pelicans for the organization. So I'm doing the dual NFL NBA thing. (laughs) I don't have to travel to all the games. So that's a little bit better than your schedule is, but it's a lot. And I I mean, I will take any tips on on how to keep up with everything. (laughs) I mean, I I mean, I've been lucky just because I've had a lot of people who've done this before. And, uh, you know, Ian Eagle, who works over at CBS is a -hmm. a mentor of mine, and he, he does the exact same schedule. Uh, I think Kevin Harlan had one of the, one of the saints games. Uh, he might've had the game last week, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and he does, he does the same thing. You know, he does Monday night football on the radio. He does NBA on TNT. And then he does uh, an NFL game for CBS every Sunday. And, and Ian does the Brooklyn nets and, and works for CBS. And, and I, I've, I've leaned on, on those people a lot. And I got kind of used to it in, uh, in my days working at ESPN a little bit, uh, you know, Beth Moens and Dave Pash and Bob Shoes and all these people that you run into, everybody's doing it, you know? And, and, and I think, uh, part of it is, is, you know, outside, nobody cares. It's not their job to care about our travel schedule or our work schedule or whatever, you know, it's, uh, you just, so you, you, you try to put that out of your mind. And I think the other thing was just trying to balance some time, uh, keep as much of a routine as possible. And then the next thing is the most important thing. And I always appreciated that as like a key piece of advice. Like I'd have a tendency, you know, if it's early in the week, I'll do, football in the morning, I'll do basketball at night. And then I'll do the game the next night and, and kind of split time during the, during the early parts of the week. But as you get closer to the game, it's, that's the most important thing that game that night. All right. From noon on, I'm not thinking about football. Uh, you know, Friday's tough this week. Cause uh, again, I use tough in quotations, but mm-hmm. like we're, we're in, we're, we're in Denver. I've got a game that night. We're talking with Philadelphia 
and their coaching staff and players that afternoon. So I'll have to lock in on that for the morning, get through those meetings, yeah, playing with the time zones a little bit, you know, but time zones a little bit strange too, but then you, you hit a certain point, you lock in the game that night or what, whatever the, the next thing is with, because that's the most important thing. So uh, I'm sure that was a long rambling sentence with no real answers. And I'm sure that's not going to help you in any sense, but I, I think uh, we're all trying to navigate it as best as we can. Yeah, absolutely. So you're covering two sports now, but you've covered a lot of different sports over the, the time as a broadcaster. What's your favorite one to cover? It's, you know, I, I think the next thing thing is a huge yeah. deal for me. So like whatever the next thing is, is the thing I'm most excited about. So I, I try to keep that mindset, but like, I don't know. It's hard because I, I think I like the job more than I like sitting down and watching games now. Like I think that it used to be the reason we got into this. I imagine this is, this is similar for you. Aaron is this is something that you enjoyed and, and this is the best way because you know, 99% of us aren't going to be professional athletes. So, you know, this is the best way for us to stay connected in some, in some capacity or, or some form or fashion. And, you know, I, I think, as that's ha as that, you know, the job kind of takes hold over a longer period of time and it becomes less and less part of your like uh, free time, you know, like it becomes less, less a, a part of your hobbies or, or things to do. I don't enjoy going to games as much. I like covering the games. I like calling the games. I like being in it. I like the energy. I, I like the atmosphere. Like that's the fun part. I imagine you feel the same way when you're at Smoothie King Center or you're at the Superdome. You're like, this is pretty cool, right? Like this is, this is awesome that, you know, this many people are here to, to watch, you know, people do cool stuff. Like that's awesome to, to be a part of that. And I think, uh, I, I think whatever the next thing is feels exciting enough. And the fact that I'm not as much of a fan as, as I used to be, I think it's, it's become more of like, let's, let's let the game and the energy of the next thing kind of, kind of get you pumped up for, for what's about to take place. Yeah. I love it. I am right there with you. I obviously was not talented enough or athletic enough to go be a professional <laughs> athlete in any sport. So here I am. <laughs> Same. Yeah, we're, we're, a, we're a very uh, large club then with a lot yeah. of other people. I really appreciate the time. It's been great getting to know a little bit more about the Saints Eagles matchup and you. So good luck on the call this weekend and hopefully I'll get to meet you in person down the line. Sounds good, Aaron. Thank you. Thanks so much to Adam. Before we wrap this up, let's take a quick look over the injury report. As seven were out on Thursday, the key here is running back Alvin Kamara, who was a limited participant Wednesday. He didn't participate at all on Thursday. Also out were tackles Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchak, defensive tackle Malcolm Roach, defensive end Tano Passanya, quarterback Taysom Hill. He's dealing with a little bit of a foot injury. I guess he got beat up a little bit in the game at Tennessee and wide receiver Ty Montgomery also out. For Friday's report, head to NewOrleansSaints.com around 3 o'clock. That'll give us a better idea of who is in or out this weekend in Philadelphia. For the Saints podcast, I'm Erin Summers. Thanks for joining me and have a great day.